Hello everyone and welcome back to Sightless Fun, a podcast about board game accessibility for the blind and vision impaired. My name is Ertai Shashko and I will be your only host today. Unfortunately, my friend and co-host Jed Alexander couldn't make it today. He's been quite busy with work, cricket training and organizing his board game nights with his regular group. So we've been struggling with scheduling lately and the huge time zone difference does not really help us much. Hopefully in the near future, when he gets a little bit more time, we can figure out a way to arrange our recording sessions so that the timing works for both of us. Today's feature game will be a game that we talked about in the past episodes, Pandemic. After that, I will talk about quarterbacking and how games that can be quarterbacked are actually accessible for the blind and vision impaired. Before I talk about Pandemic, I'd like to talk about what I've been playing recently. In the past month or so, I've been looking into joining an RPG group because the friends that I'm playing regularly with are not into that kind of stuff and I've decided to look for an online group. I found a subreddit called LFG or looking for group and I saw that there are plenty of posts there for people looking for other players to play either online or locally. There was plenty of posts about Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder and other types of games. And I found this post created by a guy where he was looking for a group to test out his science fiction game. It was some sort of simplified system that he had created himself and he was looking for playtesters. His ad looked quite interesting because he had mentioned that it should play something like Firefly, the TV show. So I messaged him and told him that I'm new to all of this and would be interested in playing with them. He was very kind to walk me through the game system and tell me what they were using. And we have currently had two sessions. The first one was for us to create our characters and decide on the how the world will look like, basically world building session. And the second one was a scenario that the game master created for us. Basically, we were in a spaceship waiting at a security checkpoint line for inspections. And then our ship got flagged for an inspection. We had a fugitive on board that we had to hide. So overall, it was pretty fun. Now, from the accessibility point of view, we use... Google Sheets for our character sheets and the Game Master was kind enough to update the colors and the fonts so that I could see the sheet easily. Basically, he turned everything white for the backgrounds and used bolded text, which then I can just revert using my color inversion tool so that I can see it better. People that play online RPG games usually use a site called Roll20. Now, Roll20 has all kinds of tools for character sheets, for maps, for rolling dice, etc. However, it's not very accessible to screen readers. Thankfully, our game does not have a very complex system, so we don't use any distance or grid-based combat, etc., where you'll need to heavily rely on the map. So far, we've just used Roll20 to basically put several planets or systems on the map. And we mostly use it for rolls and tracking some tokens. 
I needed some help now and then during our first scenario on the map, but the other players were kind enough to describe what was on the map and what the key information was. So yeah, overall it was pretty neat. If you're interested in trying out a role-playing game, I'll post a link to the LFG subreddit in the show notes and you can check out, there are plenty of posts there daily for people looking for games and if you see something that you like, sometimes people are posting specifically that they are looking for new players that haven't played before. You can just send the organizer a message, just let them know that you're new to to role-playing games and also make sure that you tell them that you are visually impaired or blind so that in case you need extra help, they can provide that. The second game that I've played recently is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I played this game a couple of times back in July, but since then I haven't had the chance to find a group that is into such games. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is a crime-solving narrative game. It's a cooperative game where you walk the streets of London and look for clues to solve a crime. Because I couldn't play this game locally, I posted on Reddit again and asked to see if there were other people looking to play this online via voice chat. It took about a month. I managed to find two people plus one person that I've tried playing online before. So I managed to form up a group of four people to play it with. And last week we had our first session. It was a case that I had already played. So I had already solved it, but the others hadn't played played that case yet. So I just stuck around to see how they solved it and compared it to how I solved it several months ago. Sherlock Holmes can be very accessible if you have a sighted person to assist you when playing. So basically they will need to do the reading and you as a blind or visually impaired player, you can participate in giving theories and analyzing the clues that you find and also take notes. I think of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective as an interactive audiobook where you get to interact with the narrator. Okay, with that said, let's move on to Pandemic. Pandemic is a cooperative game for 2 to 4 players, designed by Matt Leacock and published by Z-Man Games. The game usually plays in 45 to 60 minutes. In Pandemic, players are traveling the world trying to stop four deadly diseases from destroying the world's population. The game board is the world map that contains cities and how they are connected. And the goal of the game is to cure all four diseases. The way the game plays is, on a player's turn, you can do up to four actions. You can travel to another city, treat disease by removing a cube from the current city that you're located in, build a research station, and also trade city cards with other players. You need to collect five cards of the same color, so five city cards, in order to cure a disease. So during the game, you're either trying to keep the diseases in check by treating diseases in critical cities and also at the same time trying to figure out an optimal way to trade cards with your friends in order to collect the required cards of the same color to cure a disease. Pandemic is an evolving puzzle and it is not an easy one. 
So this game is considered to be one of the more difficult gateway cooperative games. I have played the game 15 to 20 times and I have won in half of them. I remember one of my most recent games, we had a player that was playing the game for the first time and about 20 minutes in we were managing the situation quite well, we had zero outbreaks, everything seemed to be under control, no critical cities and the new player just says, hey this is easy, we got this. And I'm like, no, 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 don't say that. Don't say that. You haven't you haven't lost the game in your last turn. So just keep playing. 20 minutes later, we are all disappointed, hit with a chain outbreak. And if I remember correctly, we lost by both having eight outbreaks and also running out of disease cubes. So the game can run out of control pretty fast. I have also had a couple of games where we had cured three diseases and we needed a single turn to cure the final disease and we were all happy that the game is over but we were suddenly hit with an epidemic that hit a city that already had a disease cube so that turned into an outbreak which was connected to another city with three cubes turning into a chain outbreak and immediately costing us the game. So the game can be quite exciting, thrilling and sometimes very crushing. You haven't won a pandemic game until you've actually won the game. So all in all, if you like evolving puzzles and would like to play a game where you are not competing with your friends, but you are playing against the game, I highly recommend Pandemic. Now let's talk about the accessibility of Pandemic and how accessible to the blind and vision impaired this game is. Even though I still have some sight left, I play Pandemic practically blind. This is because I can't read the text on the cards, I can't see the city names on the board, as well as where exactly the cubes are located. I can see the cubes, but because I can't really see the city names, that doesn't mean too much to me. So as a blind player, I can't really handle the cube placement, or moving my own pawn around the board. Now the good news is that Pandemic is fully public, so all the information in the game is public, there is no hidden information, because it's a cooperative game. And the most important thing in this game is sighted assistance, as well as announcing the moves. So when talking about sighted assistance, what usually you need assistance with is players telling you where you're currently located, if you've forgotten from your last turn. And since this game has an algorithmic approach to it, so there are some steps that you can follow to make an optimal move. For instance, what I do is I first check which cities are in critical condition, so which of them have three disease cubes and are on the verge of an outbreak. Then I check what cards I have, or well, I ask another player to tell me what my cards are, if I've forgotten about them, and see if I can make an optimal trade with another player, as well as trying to reach a city with three cubes and treat disease there. You also need sighted assistance to count the number of steps that you need to move from point A to point B. If you have a little bit of geographic knowledge and the more you play the game, uh, the more you 
learn how the cities are connected, so you will need less assistance in this part. Now, this also brings us to announcing moves. So usually players that I have played with in the game are thinking out loud. So you know what they're going to do on their turn. With this, you can basically update the game state and the board state in your mind. So if, let's say, Anna says, I'm currently located in Atlanta, I will move to Washington, D.C., I will treat the disease there, then I will use the Milan card, travel to Milan, and finally remove a disease cube from Milan. Now that is very helpful information because you know everything about where her pawn is located and what she did. Now there's a solution for the cards if you do know Braille and you're blind. 64 Ounce Games provides an accessibility kit for Pandemic which provide braille labels for the cars, but personally, because the game is fully public, if your friends are patient with you, they can simply read the cards to you. So to sum up, because Pandemic has no hidden information, with a little bit of sighted assistance, the game becomes fully accessible to the blind. Personally, I haven't experienced much of the game time being extended due to my friends having to assist me and update me on the current board state whenever I needed the help. Now, public information is what will lead us to our discussion topic, quarterbacking. Having public information in co-op games can often lead to a problem called quarterbacking or the alpha gamer syndrome. We have mentioned this problem in a previous episode, but now we will discuss it in a little bit more detail. So what is quarterbacking? Quarterbacking is when one of the players, usually the most experienced one, is bossing everyone around. So they are calling all the shots, you will do this, you will do that, and then I will do this, and that's how we will win the game. This is usually a horrible thing to do, and to me it's not a problem with the game, it's a problem with the player. But I have realized that there are some designers who are trying to develop co-op games have tried to minimize this issue or remove it altogether from their game by introducing new mechanics. But by doing that, they need to completely change the game. Usually when talking about quarterbacking, pandemic comes first to mind and is usually given as an example as a game that can be quarterbacked. Other similar games to pandemic are Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert, Flashpoint Fire Rescue, a game where you're playing firemen rushing into a burning building to save humans. Then there's Burgle Brothers, a heist game where the players are playing robbers, trying to enter a building and unlock a safe where they can loot the contents. Then there's Ghost Stories, a cooperative game for up to four players, where the players are playing monks that are battling zombies and other types of ghosts and trying to prevent a village from being overrun by them. These games are all fully cooperative games, have no hidden information, and because of that, they're susceptible to quarterbacking. But these games are all very accessible if you have a sighted player to help you. So cooperative games that have minimized the quarterbacking possibilities or completely removed quarterbacking from the games 
have introduced new mechanics. For instance, by introducing private objectives, the alpha gamer cannot boss other people around because they do not know what the other player's objectives are. Dead of Winter is one example of this, where each player receives a private objective. For instance, they need to collect a set number of resources to be eligible for the win. But by introducing this, the game automatically becomes less accessible because now you either need to mark those cards where the objectives are listed or you have to use apps to OCR and read the text out aloud to you so you know what your private objective is. Then there's Hidden Traitors in a co-op game which now does not make the game fully co-op. So this is a different genre of games. Dark Moon would be an example of this, or Battlestar Galactica is also another example, where you have hidden traitors in the game. So the game plays as a co-op game in the beginning, but there are a couple of players that are playing against you, and you're trying to figure out who they are. Now, because there's hidden information in this game, the game is immediately less accessible to the blind and vision impaired, because you need to use external tools to make the game more accessible. The third type of cooperative games where there is no quarterbacking but the game is less accessible and usually can be unplayable are real-time cooperative games. XCOM and Space Alert are examples of such games. There simply is no time for the most experienced player to control everyone and give out the orders. Basically these games are ran by an app where an encounter is being explained like the app explains what's going on and then you quickly need to play some cards that you have in your hand or move some tokens around the board in order to complete your action but since everyone is doing their own actions at the same time there's not much time to check what other players are doing now this can be quite inaccessible because you don't really have the time to ask for a sighted player's assistance to let you know what you have in hand or even if you do have braille labeled cards or you have marked the cards in a way it's simply much faster to see something rather than to feel it and then quickly decide how you will play. Now perhaps you can break some of the rules by extending the time limits a bit but usually real-time cooperative games are very problematic to the blind and vision impaired. Finally quarterbacking has been quite minimized by increasing the game complexity yet keeping the game still fully cooperative. Spirit Island is a game which is considered to be a step up from Pandemic where by increasing the game's complexity and increasing the number of choices that the players have basically you have a lot of combinations that you can do between different character powers that you can use and the board evolves a little bit differently in Spirit Island. It's simply more complex. There's not enough time for the other player to boss people around. Now, even though Spirit Island is fully open information, so you can simply ask about the game state, it can be very tricky to track. Personally, I haven't played Spirit Island before. I have just watched a couple of playthroughs and read some of the rules so 
I'm really not sure how much the game time will be extended if you require sighted assistance, but from what I've seen, I'm guessing it is a game that can be played, but the game time will simply be too long. So, in conclusion, we can simply say that by trying to mitigate quarterbacking or removing it completely, the game's are becoming less accessible to the blind and vision impaired simply because some kind of hidden information is usually introduced or the game becomes so complex that even with public information, so even if everything is public, the game can still be unplayable for the blind and vision impaired. If you have any questions or comments, you can find us at www.sightless.fun. You can reach us via email at sightlessfun at outlook.com or you can also find us on twitter at sightlessfun thank you very much for listening and remember you can still have fun while being sightless This episode was hosted by Ertan Shashko and edited by Alpai Shashko. We'd also like to extend our special thanks to Fighting Windmills for allowing us to use their music in our podcast. You can find them at fightingwindmillsmk.bandcamp.com. <laughs>